Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're going to read what you call the revival psalm today, Colin, Psalm 85. Why do you call it this? Well, because it's about revival. And it's about revival not just at a personal level, but at a national level. I believe God wants to move in a sovereign way in nations. Uh, we've experienced in kingdom faith local revivals uh, at various times in our history. But it's time to have a national revival. There hasn't been one in living memory. Um, we can look back to, um, you know, the Welsh revival, but that's more than 100 years ago now. We can think of the Highlands revival in, in the early 50s, but that was just in the Western Isles uh, of Scotland. Um, there are individual churches that have had uh, revivals. There have been moves of the Spirit that some people have called revivals, but I don't think properly have been revival. But... Let's read this psalm because I think it, it points us to some great truths if we really do want to see a sovereign move of God in our nation. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. Now, that, that's the fruit of revival. Now, what is involved in it? You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. In revival... The whole standards of society change. Things that are tolerated now become intolerable, not just from a legalistic point of view, but because they are seen to be the sin that they are. There are many things that happen in our society today that aren't called sin, but in God's sight are sin because God's standards don't change. The standards of the world may change, standards of society may change, even what is politically correct may change from time to time, but God's standards never change. So in times of revival, sin is seen to be what it is. And not only is there therefore a great conviction of sin, but people are set free and they're set free and are forgiven for their sins. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. We have to remember that God hates sin and his judgment is upon sinners. We are spared the judgment that we deserve only because of the mercy of God that we, we are living in this time between the two comings of Jesus. He came as our savior. He did everything that was necessary in order for us to be forgiven and to have relationship with God and be restored to his purposes. And he will come again to establish a new heaven and a new earth. During this time in between, there is the opportunity for men to turn away from their ways, to repent, to embrace the will and purpose of God, to become part of his eternal kingdom. And, uh, you know, there are times when the nation is closer to God than it is now. I mean, we can look back even at the history of Britain and see times when the word of God was really revered and honored and people wanted to walk in integrity and there was much holiness in the church, things that are sadly lacking today. And so the psalmist says 
in verse 4, Restore us again, O God, our Saviour, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Now, we saw in verse 1 that the fruit of revival is that God's favor, God's grace is seen in the land. The, 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 the fortunes of the land, of the nation, are restored. We've seen that personally sins are forgiven. But, you see, joy is restored to people's lives. Um, because when you're in right standing with God, you have peace with God, but also you know his joy. Your joy is full. And so in verse 7, show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Now, all, all this is, is like a, a prayer for revival. So how are we going to proceed in the situation where we are now to get towards that point? Well, in verse 8, the psalmist says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints. His saints, of course, are all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been born again. But let them not return to folly. Now, folly or foolishness is returning to their own ways. Wisdom is to walk in the ways of the Lord. So then in verse 9, Surely his salvation is near those who fear him that his glory may dwell in our land. Now, I believe, you know, God's call upon the church is to live in the fear of God, is to honor him in all things, is to walk in righteousness, holiness, and integrity with him. Now, that's not just so that our lives can be blessed or that we can be part of a good church, but so that his glory may dwell in the land. So what happens in the lives of a revived people? Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. You see, if we're to see revival, we have to do more than want revival. We have to do more than pray for revival. We have to let the Lord bring our lives into his order. And there are these qualities that come together in our life. Love, faithfulness, righteousness, and peace. We are to love God with all of our hearts. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love one another as he has loved us. Faithfulness, I think, is a very rare commodity among God's people these days. I don't like to say that, but I think it's very true. Faithfulness in prayer, faithfulness in our obedience, faithfulness in our relationships. Righteousness prepares the way for his steps. In other words, when we really want to be a righteous people, God moves in our hearts and lives in such a way to enable us to be a righteous people. You see, how can the church 
speak to the unrighteous world unless the church, God's own people, are living in righteousness? What do a disobedient people have to say to a disobedient world? What does an unholy people have to say to an unholy world? You see, a church is called to be uh, salt for the earth, uh, light for the world, a city set on the hill that cannot be hidden. In other words, God wants to do this work of revival in his church so that then the nation will be blessed that the Lord will give what is good, not only to the church, but to the nation, and our land will yield its harvest. What is that harvest? It's the souls of the millions of people. Yes, millions in times of revival. Millions can come to the Lord, and the glory of God will dwell in our land. I mean, I, I live for this, Julia. I pray for this, but at the same time, I know that I have to keep my life in the right place with God so that he can use me for his revival purposes. And this is what we stand for in Kingdom Faith. Uh, you know, we are a revival church. We live for revival. And that's a high calling. It's a great calling, but it, 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 it's not an easy calling either because, you know, we can all have wonderful moves of God, but it's sustaining those moves. It's keeping in the place with God so that we can have a real impact on the nation because sort of temporary um, times of blessing in the churches are great in, in one way, at one level. But if they don't lead to effective change in the nation, then they're some way short of God's intended purpose. The psalmist mentions in verse 8 in this Psalm 85 that he will listen to what God the Lord will say. So what about this listening? Well, the Holy Spirit is the agent, if, you, if I can put it that way, of revival. There's no revival without the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who revives the people. But the Holy Spirit is also the one who leads us. Um, he leads us in the way we are to go. He leads us and guides us into all truth. So uh, it's important to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Uh, I once asked a man who had a revival church in South America of 150,000 people. I said, in one sentence, how would you sum up uh, revival? I mean, the most important thing about revival. He said, well, the most important thing is that you listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. And that's because... The Holy Spirit always wants to bring revival in our personal lives, in the church, and in the nation. So we're not going to do it by any devices of our own. We're not going to be able to work out some method whereby we can bless the church and bless the nation. It's got to be the work of the Spirit. Therefore, the Spirit has to have the initiative. The Spirit has to be in control. And we have to be in that place of being rightly submitted to him in all things. So in, in the final minute, Colin, just some hints about listening. How do we know that the voice we're hearing is the voice of the Holy Spirit? Well, we need to test everything we hear by the Word of God. And you can be sure that if what we hear is leading us into these things that come together, into love, faithfulness, righteousness, peace, then they certainly do come from the Lord. And, of course, this is the way in which the Holy Spirit wants to lead us because this is the way of revival. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 